And this morning we're going to be thinking about confidence through courage. And we'll look at two passages of scripture, one in Daniel, and chapter 3, where we think of Daniel's three friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And in Matthew 14, 22, where we think of Peter trying to come to the Lord Jesus walking on water. Sometimes confidence only comes when we must take courageous stands or bold steps. Confidence meets us in our actions, not in our waiting. When we do things, trusting God's power and faithfulness. I think we all are aware that we live in days when our faith in God is tested. We need to have the courage of our convictions and uh, the confidence that what we believe is right, even though other people around us may not agree or approve of what we believe. As we look back and think yesteryear, we think of many people having a faith and a trust in the Bible and in Jesus. Maybe they attended Sunday school. Maybe they had Christian parents or grandparents. But today, many of the youngsters that are growing up don't have that faith or assurance that we were grounded in. Sandy Talksmith, the Danish writer, broadcaster, she's an atheist and a humanist and patron of the Humanist UK. She spoke of the reluctance of the Church of England to accept same-sex marriage, which was harming gay people. She says the problem is there is only one side that is impinging on the lives of others. And I'm afraid the very conservative people who interpret the Bible with less love than I would hope are causing severe mental health problems for the LGBT community. Justin Welby responded to her and was not prepared to change his own stance and will not use the proposed new prayers to bless same-sex couples. But Justin Welby was prepared to meet Sandy and discuss the matters over coffee, but I don't think they will ever agree on their stance. Remember a few years ago we went to a humanist funeral. I found the funeral very impersonal, No hope, no assurance that we as Christians have in the Lord Jesus Christ. Death to the humanist is final. That's the end. No hymns, no prayers, no living with Christ for eternity. How sad that people end like that. When looking for a replacement for Nicola Sturgeon, 
as the leader of the Scottish Nationalist Party. One of the candidates was Kate Forbes and comments were made on her Christian standing. It says she raised questions about the gender reforms in Scotland and is a member of the Free Church of Scotland which follows a strict interpretation of the Bible. So it's not easy standing up and being counted for what we believe and following the word of God. But surely that's nothing new. There has always been opposition um, to Christians and to God's work. Reminded of Gordon Wilson. Many people remember him from Enniskillen, Northern Ireland. On the 8th of November 1987, a bomb was planted by the provisional IRA. It exploded during the Remembrance Parade, injuring Gordon and fatally injuring his daughter Marie, a nurse. Because of his faith, he could say several hours later, I bear no ill will and bear no grudge. He called for forgiveness and reconciliation. How easy he could have said um, to hold them, the IRA to blame and the killers responsible. But his faith gave him assurance and he was willing to forgive. What were the words of a newspaper at the time? No one remembers what the politicians had to say at the time. No one who heard Gordon Wilson will ever forget what he confessed. His grace towered over the miserable justifications of the bombers. The world around us is looking at us and I wonder how do they see us as courageous or as weak individuals. The first passage that we're going to look at is from Daniel chapter 3. Nebuchadnezzar was the king of Babylon and he came to Jerusalem and besieged it. The king wanted to use some of those Israelites from the royal family and nobility that he had taken away. What did he want to do? He wanted to re-educate them into Babylonian culture. He wanted the young men without physical defect, handsome, showing aptitude for every kind of learning, well-informed, quick to understand and qualified to serve in the king's palace. He was to teach them the language and literature of the Babylonians. And surely the pressure on them to let go of their original faith and culture and embrace the Babylonian ways was enormous. But among them was Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. And Daniel resolved that he wouldn't be 
defiled by the royal food and wine. So the king's officials were worried that if he didn't take uh, the stand with his food, he may look unhealthy and the king may blame the king's officials for not serving the best food. But Daniel arranged that he'd be tested for ten days, and after those ten days, he looked healthier than any of the other men. And in Daniel 1.17 we read, For these four young men, God gave knowledge and understanding of all kinds of literature and learning and Daniel could understand visions and dreams of all kinds. Later the king had a dream. He calls his own magicians, his enchanters, his sorcerers, astrologers, but they could not interpret the dream. Daniel was called and was able to give the meaning of the king's dream because God revealed it to him. The king then makes this golden 90 foot high, 9 foot wide um, gold image statue and uh, the king instructs the officials to fall down and worship this image when they hear the sound of music. And for not obeying the king's command, they would be thrown into a burning furnace. And there are always those around us that will watch our every move. Likewise, some were watching. What was the response that Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, would they fall down and worship as instructed and then they hear, the king hears, that they didn't. And he was furious and calls for three men to be brought to him. He lays down his instructions once again and the punishment and finishes with the words, then what God will be able to rescue you from my hand? All three men still had conviction that their actions were correct and in accordance with God's will. They openly spoke out against the words of the king. Then in Daniel 3 we read the words uh, on the screen. O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to save us from it and rescue us from the hand, O King. But even if he does not, we want you to know, O King, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. They obeyed the word of God above the words of the king. It's the words of the Ten Commandments, Exodus 20 verse 3. You shall have no other gods before me. 
I'm not sure that I would have been so bold and have gone into the king and told him exactly what I thought or what I intended to do. But their faith, their trust in God enabled them to have this courage and confidence in God. And for many in our world today, even though they may be fearful because of their trust in the Lord Jesus, they don't find it easy. They don't find being a Christian uh, helps their job security, their finances. Often they may lose family and friends because of their trust in Jesus. But the hymn chorus reminds us, Great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning new mercies I see. All I have needed, thy hand hath provided. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. So we may want to draw some red lines that we won't cross. Maybe we won't want to share things that could be be offensive to others. Maybe we lose our temper and we pray that we won't. I'm not going to lie when others around maybe lie. Maybe it might be courage in doing something positive that might bless another person. Showing kindness can sometimes be a courageous act, especially if it is costly. For these three friends, they knew that their godly fear was awesome. A faithful God was greater than the fear of this earthly king. And this trust in God gave them courage and confidence in this critical moment. This was a settled decision that came from their dependence of God. And a quote that uh, has been on the literature that came with the talk said, making the decision to be faithful in the coolness of the barracks makes it easier to remain faithful in the heat of the front line when we come face to face with those who do not hold the same view as us. As we live in this beautiful, complex and fallen world, we can ask the Lord to give us confidence in him and wisdom to know where we should draw these lines, where we should be faithful, where we should be solid in our faith and response. Paul could say in writing to the church at Colossae, Colossians 3, 23 and 4, Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for men. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, 
It is the Lord Christ you are serving. Then let's go on to Matthew 14 and we think of Jesus walking on the water and Peter tries to do the same. Comes after the feeding of the 5,000. Jesus made the disciples then get in a boat and go to the other side of the Sea of Galilee to Capernaum. Jesus dismisses this large crowd and then he wanted time to pray. So he goes up into the mountain to pray. A wind came up and buffeted this boat on the lake. I can remember being on a much larger boat in the English Channel and the captain coming over the tannoy. Uh, he says, first of all, we'll be putting out the stabilisers. He then starts by saying, we, I suggest that people sit down rather than walk around. You look out the windows and you see the waves rolling all around you. And uh, you begin to think, what journey is this going to be like? You see a naval boat bobbing up and down in the distance. You can't enter the port of Dover and the safety of the port because the stabilisers need to be taken in. So you're stuck out in the sea at the mercy of the water. And I can imagine the fright of these disciples in this small, much smaller boat bobbing up and down in the lake. And it says in Matthew 14, but the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Jesus then came down from the mountainside and he walks towards uh, the boat, walking on the water. You can imagine those disciples, what fright they must have had seeing somebody coming towards them on the water. It says it was the fourth watch of the night, about 3 to 6 a.m. They cry out, these disciples, in fear. They were absolutely terrified by what was around them. When do our strong fears come upon us? Maybe when we're lying awake in the early hours of the morning, when we're counting down the time of darkness. But Jesus then offers words of comfort and encouragement from Matthew 14. Take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. There's always one that stands out from the crowd, isn't there? And Peter was that one in this situation. And he replies, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come to you on the water. Jesus tells him, come. Yes, I'm ready to welcome you. Peter steps out of the boat. He's got full confidence and comes towards Jesus. But then initial, that initial confidence 
is drained from him. He is overtaken with fear. And what do we then get? But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? Peter initially had these good intentions and a faith that went with these good intentions. But events around him put him off. And I wonder, do events around us weigh heavily upon us? We used to sing a song on a Tuesday evening with the children. My God is so big, so strong and so mighty. There's nothing that he cannot do. The rivers are his, the mountains are his, the stars are his handiwork too. And then the next verse, it says, He calls you to live for him every day in all that you say and you do. My God is so big, so strong and so mighty, there's nothing that he cannot do. I trust that those words may be an encouragement to us in our service for God, that we may want to serve Jesus day by day, and that we may have the confidence to do so. We're going to come to a time of communion. We're going to think of the events of that last week on earth. On this Palm Sunday, the crowd was fully behind Jesus. The crowd couldn't be silenced, although the authorities wanted him to be quietened down. And they didn't like the reaction of the crowd. But as Peter already reminds us in Zechariah 9.9, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion, shout, daughter of Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you, righteous and having salvation, gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Why a donkey? A symbol of humility. Jesus never pushed himself on anyone. People need to respond to his invitation. We either accept him or we reject him. These people were all enthusiastic. They spread their cloaks on the road a royal homage was paid to him. The crowds go before him. But then those same crowds, the week later, change their praise and worship. The Hosanna to the Son of David became crucify him. An innocent man. Even Pilate could say, what crime has he committed? 
that Jesus was filled, fulfilling his Father's command. Jesus was dying for the sin of the world. How grateful we should be that Jesus was willing to die for you and for me. Everything was planned for Jesus to eat the Lord's Supper with those disciples, just as the cult had been made ready for Jesus to ride on. Now the room is prepared to eat the Passover meal. And Matthew 26 reminds us, while they were eating, Jesus took bread, gave thanks, and broke it and gave to his disciples, saying, Take and eat, this is my body. So we give thanks for the bread. Father, we thank you that we can come this morning, we can come and give you the praise and thanks of our hearts for all that you have done for each one of us. Yes, we realise that the crowd were fickle. One minute they could sing your praises, the next they were crucified, trying to crucify you. And we realise that we have much opposition day by day as we stand for you, as we have the courage of our convictions. But Lord, we do indeed just pray that we may be faithful to you, we may honour you. And so this, this morning we want to thank you for your love and goodness. We want to thank you for all that you've done for us. And we do indeed just come this morning, thank you and praise you that you were willing to give your body there at Calvary for each one of us. And so we are grateful now as we give you our thanks in Jesus' name. Amen.